Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Maverick Mondays. I'm your host, Maverick Peters. It is my intention to change your Mondays, to change your week, and to change your life. One episode, one Monday at a time, here on the Maverick Mondays podcast. I've had the incredible opportunity to sit down with some pretty fantastic people. The individuals who are successful at what they do or are extremely positive-minded in the way they live their daily lives, those are the people we will be hearing from on this show. Stay tuned for today's guest. Our guest today on the Maverick Mondays podcast is Christine Paracas. Christine is all the way from Marina Del Rey, California. She is a business growth expert, a speaker, a best-selling author of The Entrepreneur's Essential Roadmap, creates millionaires through their relentless pursuit of success. She has been featured in Inc.com and USA Today magazines, and she's with us here today on the Maverick Mondays podcast. It is an honor and a privilege. Christine, welcome. Thank you so much, Maverick. I'm happy to be here, and I hope everyone's having a great Monday already. <laughs> I hope so, too. So tell me about yourself. Well, I just finished and uh, getting ready to have a release of my upcoming book, The Resilient Leader. I'm super excited about it. It comes out on June 1st, although I don't know. Hopefully, it'll be out by the time everybody's listening to this, and it's available on Amazon already, which is super cool. And it's all about my uh, surviving two Category 5 hurricane experiences, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and the resilience and leadership strategies that I learned to weather the most powerful storm ever hit the Atlantic Basin and that anyone can use in their own Category 5 situations that are events beyond our control in life and business. So in that book, I'm introducing the seven barometers of resilience, which are those resilience leadership strategies to help people really become invincible in their lives and businesses. So, Christine, that's interesting. Tell me the the two hurricanes that hit the The Atlantic Basin. Right. So those two hurricanes. So how did that affect you and how did you how did you find life lessons to be able to teach others from that? You know, I guess I'm one of those people that figures if it's happening to me, I'm going to have to learn from it or be crushed by it, right? And I'm not dead yet. So <laughs> right. I think um, I, I try to take the lessons where I can. Sometimes it's really hard to do for any of us. But, you know, I um, had sold my last business and I would uh, became a boat captain. I was delivering yachts off the eastern seaboard and ended up in the Caribbean after my first delivery and just fell in love with the island of Tortola. So I lived there, I set up a home there and lived there for a few years. And uh, I was alone in that home when the most powerful storm to hit the Atlantic Basin, Hurricane Irma at the time, came and tore through our island nation and tore the roof off my house and destroyed 85% of the housing on the island and left me literally buried alive in a wind coffin for about 24 hours without any plan for rescue and and he had no idea how I was going to get out of that situation. And it was really in that moment when I realized that I was trapped that I uh, decided I was going to learn from this experience. And, you know, I would ask anyone in your audience, 
what would you do if you had no access to the usual resources, you know, the internet, your telephone, your friends, your community, social media, if everything was taken away from you, what would you do next? You know, what's the single action you can take? And I would say, you know, for me, what I discovered is picking up a, a pen and a piece of paper, right? And, you know, it's very old school, but when you don't have electricity, you know, telecoms, nothing, it's the way to get your brain working. And, you know, there's like countless studies, books written, people talking about how we activate our brains at um, the problem-solving level, the prefrontal cortex, when we write. That's why um, some of the studies in writing about goal setting always talks about handwriting the goals, right? And these days, most of us are thumbing through our lives, right? Tick-tock and click-clack and, um, you know, typing and thumbing our, um, anything we have to say. And so, you know, when I was there and alone and, and the panic started to rise, the only thing I could think of was I'm going to have to figure something out. I have no idea what to do, so I'm going to start by writing down everything I remember about this experience, everything I did right, everything I did wrong, the mistakes I made, and what I could learn. And that was really the start of my book, and it was the thing that allowed me to get through until I could get myself rescued. That's that's truly incredible. Were you into journaling and keeping a diary beforehand? Not really. You know, I've been a, a typer. You know, I've typed a you know, occasionally and sometimes regularly for periods of time. And, you know, I'd work it into my routines now and then, but it was never a religious thing. You know, I didn't do it all the time. And uh, I did have my first book out already by that time. So I guess I could call myself an author already. But, you know, that for me was um, a task that I had done. It was complete. And I didn't feel a compulsion to be writing again you know so I wasn't out trying to write my next book or uh, writing you know for publication or anything I just um, realized there was what else can I do you know in the darkness with uh, the terror of this monster storm screaming literally coming into my shelter there was you know part of what trapped me was I had these sliding glass doors that were covered with metal boards that had been concrete screwed into the walls of my, my shelter and the storm had lifted one of them out and opened up an opening about six inches so it's literally coming through into my shelter it's like having these tentacles of a monster reaching out to grab me you know so it's about as terrifying as i could imagine anything that's ever been for me and um that's why I felt I found uh, comfort in writing, and I kept me focused, and it, it kept me active and working. You know, it's one of those exercises that is actually listed if you did some research of how to, you know, deal with panic, anxiety, you know, getting activating the prefrontal cortex. Writing is a, a really ideal way to do it. There's lots of other ways, too, but that was what I had available to me. So I want to talk about the book, but first, how has your life changed since before and after that incident? I mean, <laughs> talk about a near-death experience. Did you feel like maybe the end was near? Oh, sure. I mean, you know, that's the panic, right? I mean, I had no idea. I couldn't reach my friends. I couldn't reach, you know, my friends were met down the road miles away or offshore. And I, had, I didn't really know my neighbors like a lot of us. You know, I, I, didn't, I didn't have a home that was on uh, a, a place that had foot traffic. So I had no idea how long I could be there and no way of reaching anybody. And I'm completely sealed in you know, with every window and opening covered by metal boarding. And 
no way to contact anybody, no tools. No, you know, I couldn't just, you know, crash my way out. And so, yeah, no, I, I really did. And, and it wasn't even just that, you know. What, so a lot of us haven't had hurricane experiences, hopefully. Um, we've had other things, right? Tornadoes, fires, earthquakes. But there's a Category 5 experience that most of us have had, you know, some kind or another that is overwhelmingly out of beyond our capacity, completely um, puts us out of, out of our control. And, you know, it's that Category 5 situation, but it passes, and then there's an aftermath. And I had to not only get through those 24 hours where I did finally get rescued, but um, it was a couple months afterwards that I had to survive without electricity, running water, telecoms, cooking gas, you know. I had to figure out life in the post-apocalyptic setting that was the, the storms passing. So, you know, it isn't just the storms itself, the Category 5 event itself. You might have a death in your family, the, the failure of a business, financial distress, any number of things that we've all had to experience. But the repercussions from that and the fallout that we have to endure uh, is usually a lot longer lasting and more impactful even than the event itself. So can you give us a little, a little snippet? I mean, I, I can I can only imagine what must have been going through your mind at the time and what must have been pouring out onto paper and onto your computer when you were recalling everything that was going through your mind. Can you give us a little highlight, a little snippet, a little teaser? <laughs> yeah, you know, I was, um, like I said, I, I, I realized in that moment that I was trapped. You know, what can I do right this second? I got nothing. You know, I had no idea, no tools, no access, no communications. And I, so I got a piece of paper out, and I started making a list of things, and I actually wrote, then I was writing a journal for myself, you know, just everything I'd experienced from the start of the, that morning to, you know, people's um, live streaming on Facebook. I was just having a normal day and hanging out, you know, just list checking with my friends on Facebook, and, um, and then suddenly everything's different. You know, it's pitch black, it's the middle of the day still, and I might be here for, you know, until I die. I don't know. I'm going to run out of food and water. And, um, you know, realizing that I had this attitude of complacency when I set off to go back to my home. I had been with friends all the day before helping other people tore up their property and, and homes. And we all, a group of us had dinner together. We were watching the weather reports, you know, the inevitability of the storm is coming. And, um, I went off to my home, just like I did many other times, and everybody else went off, but not a single person that I know went home alone, and I didn't realize for a good month or two later that I didn't know anybody else who'd gone home alone that night, who'd gone through that storm alone, and I um, was sitting around with friends um, having dinner at a restaurant that had finally reopened you know, several weeks later, and everybody was telling their story again, things had started to calm down in our own lives, and um, everybody told their story, I told mine at the end of the you know, circle, and, and I said, at the end, and I was alone, and everybody gasped, and I thought, what was I thinking? I had to live with that decision for the rest of my life, you know, that's the, the most overriding lesson that I've learned and the thing that has really driven everything I've always done, but with a greater purpose than ever before. 
You know, we have a loneliness epidemic. I've done a lot of research in this arena, you know, for my book and other writing that I've done, and um, and just in the speaking and such. But it, it was about understanding that people like me, you know, eight hundred Facebook friends and thousands of social media followers and all these connections all over the world. And when I needed someone to be coming for me in the storm, I didn't have anybody. I made no plan. I didn't have anyone who'd know what to do, you know, my family or friends. And um, everybody close to me in the island was in their own situations and during the aftermath. So, you know, just to realize that I was not somebody that you would have said, oh, she doesn't have any friends or she's going to end up alone or she's lonely or any of that stuff. And there I was. And I think that's what we don't realize when we are engaging with our social media followers and, you know, building up our followings and all of that, that we all really need to know who's going to come for us in the storm. How do we, how do we correct that? Is there, is there something we can do? Is there something you recommend? Well, first and foremost, you know, I I mean, that was my situation um, coming out into the daylight in this, you know, horrible uh, situation, I didn't know then either what to do. You know, I knew that there were certain things I couldn't handle myself anymore. I had to come to terms with that. And I realized that I'm going to need some help. You know, I couldn't, my car was working, but it was dead, you know, electricity. Um, and it was damaged, but I could function. I, you know, so I, I needed things, but I also had things. So the first thing I did, what we can all do, is look around and how can we contribute to our communities, to the people in need. If somebody else is going through their own Category 5 situation, we can start by becoming someone who shows up for others. And in turn, they will come for us. And so that's kind of what happened. You know, I had working wheels and I, um, I also had some, you know, leftover resources that weren't destroyed. I, I shared everything I didn't need. I went on food runs and I went track down water for my community. I made myself indispensable. I had a uh, my U.S. phone in the, I had, you know, two phones, a local phone and my U.S. phone. And it just never worked on the island. And suddenly, because all the trees had been leveled and there was a clear shot to some other offshore towers or something I suddenly had a signal if I climbed to the top of my mountain and waved it in a certain spot and so you know having the ability for people to contact family and get news from outside and be able to ultimately become a, a liaison for the media I did was able to get our story into the news all over the world and um, you know so we look around how can we contribute and by contributing to others that's how we get what we need Christine, I'm listening to this story and I feel like I'm watching a movie. I mean, the things you're telling me, you can't make these up. I know, right? Sometimes <laughs> life is crazier than fiction. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you feel stronger from this? You know, it's weird because that's one of the things I talk about in the book is becoming a storm warrior. And for me, you know, I was one of those people, a boat captain, I've been a lawyer, a business advisor, people have paid me very well to have all the answers. And I was so, um, you know, I guess arrogant in my ignorance, just thinking that I, I had it all together. I had the gold standard of protection around my property and I was well taken care of. I was really secure that morning when I woke up and started my day. And um, it was in recognizing my vulnerability 
that I didn't have all the answers, that I wasn't going to be able to withstand this force that was greater than me, that was my real power. So in that sense, you know, I feel stronger in my vulnerability from that. And that's to me what is becoming a true star warrior is somebody who, you know, we know what a warrior means. Usually we're fighting an enemy or protecting our tribes or we're, we're matched against the force that's equal to our own. And when it's a category five situation, we're outmatched. And so we have to start by being, you know, recognize our own vulnerabilities, ask for help when we need it, ensure ourselves would you say that this is the biggest challenge the biggest struggle you've had to overcome i would say yeah just because i've never seen anything like it and i've been in you know devastating earthquakes and major fires it's not like you know a little bit of a magnet in that way being in california you know i i, I could tell stories about that stuff but you know I, I mean we've all been in our own version of something like that right something that's just really beyond our control and um this was the one that was outside of any experience you know like northridge earthquake was a big one in southern california but I'd grown up in California, so I'd had my experiences of small earthquakes and building, building, building. So the big one, you know, is just part of the experience, just bigger than anything. And with the hurricanes, I never had that experience before, and it was a force beyond anything that I'd ever experienced with the sounds and the pressure. And, you know, so it was, a, it was a first time for me. So, yeah, I think so in a way. So it sounds to me that you really attribute – um, networking and building together as a key to success. Yeah, I mean, how many of us could say who have had any success at all that we got there by ourselves? Right. You know, if, if, if we're saying that, I think we're deluded. <laughs> <laughs> right. You really put a, an emphasis and a stress on not doing it alone. And quite recently, you found yourself in a position where you were alone. Was That's the greatest irony, right? Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. you don't expect to be that person, right? Because you know, I'm doing this for others. I don't even think twice about myself. I'm fine. You know? <laughs> right. With all this, with all of the, the successes and with all of what you went through, you really seem to have a positive outlook on everything. I, I feel like, and I could be wrong about this, but I feel like someone who is in your situation, secure and didn't wake up thinking that morning that they were going to be trapped underneath their house or wherever you, wherever you were trapped underneath. I feel like the average person would get lost in despair and then even afterwards they would have a real hard time bringing themselves back to faith and back to a place on their feet. How did you do it? Is Have you always been this positive or is this something you had to work on? Well, I, I wouldn't say that, you know. <laughs> I mean, I, I've certainly had my share of blind spots. I've had my, my own failures in my businesses and relationships with people. And, you know, I, I grow from every one of those things, right? If, if, what do they say? If you want to succeed, fail faster. You know, I've, I've been around that block and I've helped others through theirs. And, um, you know, it's very common. I, I've, I've been in interviews with people who talked about um, being in war zones and how, they would see refugees sitting in the rubble, just like sitting on a block of concrete or on their porch or whatever, just staring blankly out, waiting for someone to come. And I saw that on my island too, you know, there were people for months and months, you know, probably more than a year afterwards, still hoping for someone to come, you know, still living, people who had strung chairs together with boards sleeping on, you know, just to stay off the ground and out of the, the rainwater um, with no shelter, 
you know, those kinds of things where there's just this overwhelming helplessness. And um, I think that if you contemplate the totality of your situation, it is overwhelming. There's just nothing that you don't even know where to go, what to do, how to handle it, you know, but, but one step at a time, you know, and, and um, once I came out into the sunlight after the storm the next day and, and was able to just, okay, well, I got to get my car working or I don't know uh, where I'm going to get water when my water supply runs out. So I have to start one step at a time, right? There's always something, one thing you can do. You know, and it's really just noticing. I don't have to solve everything right now. I don't have to figure out where I'm going to get everything I need, but I'm just going to take one step. Because you know, that so, that's when it can get overwhelming. Yeah. And, and so, you know, even when you're talking about building a business, right, I love to do strategic planning with, you know, uh, entrepreneurs and small businesses to really go all the way out and dream big and create that big, hairy, audacious goal. But then we got to work backwards until we break it down into three to five year and, and one year and quarterly objectives so that you know what you're going to do the next day. Right. And that's what matters is what are you going to do the next day? What's the very next step? And the rest will fall into place if you just keep doing that next step and the next step and the next step. And that's really all you can do, you know, for any of us ever. But when you don't have anything else, no other resources, no people, you know, it was 10 days before I could, you know, get to my friends around the island. And so um, we had a hurricane coming two weeks later to the day. So I made sure I wasn't alone for that one. But, you know, I, I almost was because I wasn't in touch with my people. So, yeah, we, you know, if I had thought that through, like, how long is it going to be before I'm going to be able to connect with my people or find out who's alive and who's not? And, you know, if I had worried about all that, I wouldn't have been able to go figure out how to get food or water. And, you know, that's the most extreme it gets is our own survival. But, you know, we're all surviving in one way or another with our lives and our businesses. So we all have to think about what is the one thing that I need to do today. When it comes to working together and when it comes to using your network as a resource for you and working, you know, together with people, who is someone that you look up to? Who is someone that you turn to when you feel like you're in a situation that's clearly out of your league? Where do you go for help? Well, you know, I have been influenced by a number of really powerful resources and people, you know, I usually successful people or people who have guided me, um, you know, like Sadhguru is one of those people who's put me on a path of meditation. And so when I think about that question, I think, well, you know, there's very few topics that I haven't read that he's addressed in some way or fashion that aligns with my, my, who I am and my values. But what I would say is I go to get quiet. You know, the answers are always within. So if I'm in complete turmoil for myself and this for every single day you know i get up first thing i do is go and breathe and just sit and meditate for you know 20 minutes to center myself to get clear to build the energies up for the day and then every day starts with that and so you know when i bump up against something that's really beyond my capacity I would go inward for that. That's what I've learned. 
And it's not because I don't read or, or study or that I'm not following, you know, thought leaders and, and getting information that's helpful and guidance and, you know, inspiration. But at the end of the day, I still have to, it has to come from within to go outwards. Right. So, so the, I, so the yeah. first step before you reach out to someone or before doing something together, you really have to reach in first. You mentioned before that you meditate as a, as a daily routine or a weekly routine. Can you can you run us through a little bit, if it's not too personal, um, your daily routine? What does a, a day in the life look like for you? Some of your <laughs> some of your your healthy your healthy uh, habits. Well, um, you know, it is uh, it is very particular to me, right? Because I'm not advocating for everybody, but I know what's worked for me and what is me life so much easier for me and everything feels more in flow when I wake up at the same time every day and I you know my good friend Michael Bruce who's a sleep doctor you know will tell you this is you know the ideal way to get rest and I go to bed at the same you know around the same time most nights and most of special occasions but having that regularity so if I'm up at six in the morning and I spend the first hour of my day meditating and doing yoga practices and working out and so you know that sets the tone for the whole day and suddenly i'm far more functional and i didn't used to be like this believe me i i hate it you know i'm never a morning person i used to call myself and i love to sleep in and then you know never take meetings before 10 o'clock 10 in the morning and you know now i'm i'm up and ready to go at eight o'clock and i've got a lot of energy for that when so, when did that change for you do you remember when it changed So before you kind of got this second lease on life, right, you came out on the other side stronger than ever and healthier than ever. What what was it like before? Did you ever wake up on a Monday and you weren't enthused? You had the Monday blues or do you have that now? No, quite regularly. (laughs) And how, (laughs) how did you then and how do you now snap yourself out of it? Well, sometimes you just have a bad day. You know, it's Monday. Ugh, 
and you know you tell yourself all these things it's the week ahead i don't know you know in between business opportunities or after a, a particularly hard situation or if it's you know tough times mondays are always harder because the week stretches ahead of you and sometimes especially if you're on an entrepreneur or playing on the edge you know you don't really know what the week ahead is going to bring and maybe you're in the you're in a transition i work with senior leaders in transition regularly and um you know, Mondays are the hardest. And so you have to, you know, just get up and, and figure out what are the things you can do, you know. So for me, it was swimming or, you know, some kind of exercise or walking and um, just getting my body moving was always helpful to get through those blues, to, to move that energy. You know, I think of it as like a stuckness. And that's always been my, my sense of it is there's a – the energy gets um, – constricted and so we got to move it and one of the things that we can do to that affects the mind is to start to move the body you know so even if it's just taking a walk around the block you know or whatever the thing is that one of any one of us can do that's within our means you know it's whether it's cold outside or we're not really in great shape there's always something we could do that moves us and so the physical movement was something that's always been a way for me to get past the Monday blues and you know these days they don't really have that you know because I know what I'm going to do Monday morning and if I know I'm going to start every other day too so it's not up for negotiation you know in the past I would say that yeah I do these mental acrobatics of well I don't have to work out today or I could do it later or you know I'm laying in bed in the dark thinking I could do all I'm, I'm having all this whole discussion in my mind about why I don't have to get up right now and do. And, you know, I always got myself up for the most part, but that's the kind of thing that just doesn't come up anymore. So that's really the difference is in the past I'd be negotiating with myself over do I really need to get up versus now it's just time. Just get up and go. With this extremely productive lifestyle that you're telling us about right now, what advice do you have for someone who who really has a hard time on a Monday morning, who has a hard time waking up even, going to school, going to work, doing whatever it is that they do, what advice would you have for them? Would it be to keep moving and to get your body moving and to just get at it? I would say, you know, pick something that you really can embrace, that you love or that makes you feel good. You know, like I said, for a walk or maybe it's journaling or for me it was meditation or, you know, yoga, just something that you do every single day so you know my day is going to start like this. And, it, you know, it should be something that does lift you up, not, you know, something that takes you further, like going on and checking Facebook, you know, <laughs> and social media, right, or right. Is it TikTok, and, you know, all these things. I mean, we pull our phones right next to our beds and we pull them out first thing, you know, and, and often sometimes there's people just reading emails, but that isn't going to be the thing, right? So have a thing that you get up around every single day that starts your day and let the rest of the day unfold from there. As opposed to, you know, it's Monday and I don't know what I'm going to do with myself today because things aren't moving in the way that I wanted or, you know, yet another day where I didn't have X or, you know, I don't have Y. And to say it doesn't matter about any of that stuff, today I'm going to get up and do this. And every single day like that will be a string of days and you'll become a far more productive and at ease with your life. That's beautiful. I love that. So, Christine, thank you so much. This this has been amazing. I, I really can't imagine what you, what you must have gone through. And 
I'm actually really interested. If book comes out, I'm definitely gonna gonna give that a read. I hope you will. I'll make sure, and I'll send you a link so you can share it with your listeners. Oh, absolutely. And, um, yeah, it'd be great. We will uh, we will include that link in the uh, in the show notes in the show description of this episode. If l- let's give you an opportunity, and we'll end with this. If you had one thing to say from everything that you've learned from all of the businesses and all of the entrepreneurs that you've helped over the years, and all of the experiences and the sudden death experiences that you've you've gone through if you could put that all together don't go it alone you know really understand and keep one hand on the boat is the expression we use in sailing and always knowing where you are and what's coming on the horizon and just not trying to do it all not trying to do it alone i love that christine thank you so much it really means a lot to me how can how can people find you how can people find out more about you and your books well, christineparakis.com has it all. <laughs> There's links to everything, my books and my online business advisory system and all the ways to contact me, all at christineparakis.com. That's awesome. Christine, thank you so much for being on the Maverick Mondays podcast. Maybe sometime in the future we could do a part two. Who knows? I would love it. Maverick, thank you so much for having me today. It's been great. And I hope that your listeners found something that they could take away for themselves. I'm sure they will. It was really a privilege. Thank you so much. Take care. Takeaways from episode 27. One, what would you do if you didn't have access to everyday life resources? If everything was taken away from you, what would you do then? Two, you can have hundreds of friends, connections, and followers on Facebook and Twitter, but when life shows up, will the help you'll need be there to get you out of the storm? Three, if you want to succeed, fail more often. Four, after everything was said and done, Christine described how she brought her broken life back together by organizing the pieces systematically, one thing at a time. Five, a lot of times you can find the answers to a dilemma from within. Take a deep breath, slow down, evaluate and assess. Six, things can change a lot quicker than we often realize. Make the most of each moment. And seven, sometimes we just have a bad day. Instead of letting it bring us down, ask yourself, what can I do right now?